Level Up Latina partners with working women and mamas alike to guide them in achieving fulfilling career and life goals through financial empowerment, professional or leadership coaching, and personal wellness. Find the unique coaching you need to succeed. You're listening to Vero, Ceci, and Irene, and we are Level Up Latina. Welcome back to another episode of the Level Up Latina podcast. Today we have Bricia Lopez as our guest. Bricia is a longtime entrepreneur, the co-founder of Supermamas, a podcast and community empowering mujeres through motherhood. Bricia is also the author of Oaxaca, Home Cooking from the Heart of Mexico. Her journey started decades ago when her family opened Gelaguetza in Los Angeles, a restaurant that's been coined the best, the best Oaxacan restaurant in all of the U.S., we invited Bricia to talk about her journey as an entrepreneur and as a super mama. Bricia, there's so much you have to offer. Eres una mujerona. Thank you for being here. Bienvenida. Of course. It is my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me and for caring about what I have to say. <laughs> we absolutely care about what you have of to say. Course. We absolutely <laughs> care that you were leading the way. We fangirl often about you. I saw this really cool clip about you talking about being from Oaxaca and the food of Oaxaca. And I was just like, oh my gosh, it makes me so happy. So Aww, we're going to get into you. all of that. But first, tell us a little bit about your upbringing. A little bit about me, my background. So I was born in Oaxaca. I moved to LA when I was 10 years old. I didn't really know how to speak any English. I knew how to say the word chicken. That's about it. I don't know why I knew that word. <laughs> and pencil. I, I still don't know. I think it's like, I think it was like a song. Like pencil, gallina, yeah, gallina, pollo chicken. yeah, right. Something like that. I think there was like a song about a chicken and a pencil. <laughs> well, then it worked. There was a, a school my mom took us to called Harmon Hall. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Harmon Hall. It's like this. I don't know if it's still around, to be honest, but um, you learn how to speak English. So we just took these really non-productive classes, I guess, because I all learned how to say it was chicken and pencil. So I moved to LA when I was 10. My dad had moved to LA a year before my siblings and I. So my mom lived close to a year as a single mom in Oaxaca with four children as my dad tried to make it in the US and you know, just working and grinding and trying to figure out what, how to provide for his big ass family that he had created. So then uh, after being here for a few months, I mean, my dad is just such a, you know, my dad just has this just tenacity built inside of him to just make shit work no matter what. So he just started selling door to door Oaxacan products. He just tried to like make it work, you know? And then he started being, he started selling clayudas, which were these huge tortillas that people call Mexican pizzas because of the way they look. Um, and the streets on the corner of 8th Street in Normandy. And this is like in the early 90s. Um, and he used to pay cholos, what is called piso. I don't know if you guys know that word, but piso basically means rent. So you had to pay rent to the cholo so people wouldn't come and steal from him. And then one time this guy came and just took, the food and didn't pay him and he's like let me see if this like piso situation is like a real thing so he called <laughs> over the children was like that dude didn't pay me yeah and then went to beat up the poor guy but i was like oh, okay i'm glad i'm glad this works i will pay my rent every month <laughs> so um and then he found a place that was up for lease he figured out i mean my dad to this day my dad doesn't know how to speak english so he did all of this just I have no idea. I mean, just, you know, just that immigrant, you know, mentality and just like 
like necesidad, you know? <laughs> just figure it out. More than necesidad, like what courage, que valor, like just to be putting himself out there, que bonito, like that's your roots. It's beautiful. Keep telling us. I think it's. Yeah, it's so he was just, I know I interrupt people all the time on my podcast, I read, so go ahead and interrupt away. Like I am, it's fine. Thank I get you. like called out all the time. I get hate. I bully my sister. So yeah. So I'm glad. It's fine. Interrupt. I you. really, really like you now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then uh, my dad decided to just open this place. The restaurant had been open for about two months and he realized, hey, this is like I have something here. It's bringing in cash flow like it's it's working. So he decided to just move us under the impression that we were going to be here for a year. And I think that's really what all immigrants tell themselves. I'm going to go for a year and it turns into the rest of your life. Like it's very rare you find someone that's after a year goes, you know what? I don't like this American dream. I'm going to go back to where I was. So it was, you know, we came with that whole, I'm going to be here for a year mentality and it turned into the rest of my life. So, and I've been working alongside my family really ever since. So that's a little bit of like my childhood. That is beautiful. And you know, if you grew up in LA, where two of us here grew up here and get like, it's like, it's almost like Everybody knows it if you grew up in LA, right? It's like we just all know it. Especially so. our generation, <laughs> our generation does. I don't know if it's because we're 80s babies, Beto, but we know it. And so I was just jumping for joy that we will get to hear your story because to us, it's like, I mean this, and I wholeheartedly mean this. To us, it's like yep. driving by the local Denny's that's always been there. But you're not going to get to know the dude that opened that local Denny's. And he's definitely probably not going to be someone who grew up a lot like you or looks like you. So tell us about your journey and just the restaurant business and your family. Oh, my goodness. My journey is long and just full of ups and downs like everyone you know again I started working with my with my family since you know we were young we went to my dad figured out how to get us enrolled in this charter school that was an hour away from where we lived um, in a very affluent and non-latino area of LA called Pacific Palisades and every time I tell someone I went to Palisades it's like my Latina card like decreases by like 50%. But I will say um, it was really hard growing up in, you know, in, in a school where you never saw yourself reflected other than being the outcast. Sometimes I wonder what it would have been like going to a place where it was really like all of us look the same as opposed to every single day driving through these homes and just being put like, this is what you don't have. You know, like every day was a reminder of you are not this, you are not this, you are not this. And the teachers were very also, I mean, I had a teacher like in English that telling me, you know, as long as you don't get pregnant, like you're fine, you know, very much like that was like the bar of my, of me. Like, oh my just, God, which is okay. Which is like, yes, I didn't get pregnant. Um, and sadly, you know, like out of the 10 Latinas that were in school, like two of them were pregnant in high school. So, you know what I mean? It's one of those things that kind of, you know, there was a lot less education before. So, I mean, I'm still salty, but, you know, I forgave her. Lots of time in therapy to forgive this woman. Uh, but yeah, so I went to Palisades High. Well, I went to Palisades Elementary. I went to uh, Brentwood Middle School and Palisades High. Um, and then my mom, it was a lot for my mom to like drive an hour, drive an hour back, 
hang out for three hours at the restaurant and drive an hour so she actually clean homes while she waited for us to get out of school so she'd drop us off she'd go clean a house she'd pick us up she'd you know then we'd drive back to the restaurant and sometimes we'd come home but most of the time we'd go to the restaurant and she'd help my dad we'd close the restaurant we would drive home and then she'd do his shit all over again seven days a week right and i'm out here complaining because i'm like writing a book like it's really stupid <laughs> so um yeah that's like the, how i grew up i hated the restaurant like i hated working at the restaurant so much like with a passion you have no idea like every day we'd have to go we didn't we hardly ever went on family vacations um i think like as we got older and things got better uh but then my th- by that time my sister moved to college you know, I think the only one that kind of saw a little bit more of that, the, the fruits of my parents' labor was my younger sister. Um, but then, you know, once things were, just as things was getting, were getting better, you know, the, the recession hit, which is, I think, in, you know, I think when in 2020, when uh, everything that happened, happened, like I really wasn't that scared because... I was like, listen, I survived 2008. Like, I went from driving a dope-ass car to driving the bus for two straight years every single day. My credit was shit. Like, I had, like, 500 or something. Like, my credit was, like, horrible. Um, I had, like, zero. I had so much debt. I had to consolidate my debt. I was so close to declaring bankruptcy until uh, somebody told me that I could just call the credit card companies and, like, they forgave your loans. I was like, what? Like, yeah, you don't have to declare crimes. You just call them. So I called every single credit card company and I, they just said, okay, just pay us a hundred dollars and like, we'll just like scratch it. So obviously it still hurt my credit, but it wasn't like a bankruptcy on, but I had already filled out the paperwork. Like it was really bad. Like all our family, we lost everything. So then at that point, my parents, just like especially my dad my dad just went through a very deep depression thankfully my parents you know thankfully my parents aren't like into drugs or alcohol because i think like had those things been involved it would have been very ugly i don't know if i'd still be here but just like a really deep depression just not mentally there so then they moved and they sold everything the little thing they had they sold everything um they sold off all their business except we i had started a restaurant with my brother i had to sell that um because it was doing okay but it wasn't super profitable so then we decided to sell it in order to save the families at the big restaurant so then we did that and then we just took it over and we've been you know grinding ever since my parents retired we figured out a way to structure a business deal to where now we're the owners and we we bought the business from my family um which is like, here are all my problems and my debts. And here's like my restaurant and like bankruptcy, you know, like, good luck, guys. Bye. I'm going to Oaxaca, you know. But at that point, like we could have we could have definitely said, OK, let's sell it and like, let's just all go our way. But I don't think that was something that was that none of us thought like none of us said that was the thing to do. Do you feel like, like I said, was like the nucleus that made you all entrepreneurs? Because it feels like that was like the center and then you went off and all these other things. Like there was no podcasting back mm-hmm. in the day and suddenly you No, but my dad did podcast. have a newspaper. Which did was, he? Yeah. Oh my God. Did. He's just like paving the way, trailblazer. He had a newspaper? He had a newspaper. I was a model. 
I was uh, the ad model for the <laughs> What didn't your dad do? That's so cool. My dad did a lot. My dad did a lot. Um, yeah, he had a lot of stuff. Um, but, you know, he wasn't ready and he didn't have a team and he wasn't savvy. He didn't invest. Yeah. He did not invest. So he lost all his money. So it took the he, next generation to he push had the ganas. He had the, you know, the like, lo voy a hacer. Yeah, I mean, he knew, he's so smart. And that's just intuitively smart and he like knows how to sell. Um, he just intuitive. He, I mean, I still, sometimes I like roll my eyes and I'm like, Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. But then I have to like slap myself and be like, of course he knows what he's talking about. You dumbass. <laughs> we have to like give him a little more credit sometimes, right? Our parents, it's hard because you're like, we went through so oh, yeah, much it's hard. and you're like, I talked to, you know, <sighs> I, there's so many girls that call me and not so many girls. I'm, I'm exaggerating. There's a, couple, a handful of women who I've spoken about, who I've spoken to, who also have family restaurants and have the same thing. And they're like, just like my dad doesn't understand. I'm like, listen, number one, you have to understand your dad is hella smart. Okay. You have to give him credit. Like you have to see him from that perspective because it's hard. I know because they're, they come from a different generation. They're not as, you know, they know how to use a computer. They only know how to use Facebook and you know, they're just, you know, they, they're just not tech savvy, but that doesn't mean they're not smart. And I think we value smart in a different way nowadays. Before we move on to the next question and shift gears to the podcast, what's like the future of the restaurant that you own with your siblings? Well, right now the restaurant's, you know, open. So, you know, I think it's, I think based on where we are today and the landscape of food, I think that we're already winning. It's, it's great. We, you know, we've really have turned it around. I mean, again, we went from, you know, I think what people don't understand, a lot of people don't know. And, you know, people compare themselves to other people or, you know, everyone's journey is so different, you know, and if, you know, you want to take over your family restaurant or you want to take over your family business, don't look at it as like, well, it's, it's different. It's just, you know, it's not the same. And like every, at the end of the day, it's all work. It's all work. Like I, nothing was handed to us. Again, they gave us a business that was in bankruptcy with low margins and, hella problems and debt but you know with work and tenacity and just love for what you do we we, we made it work and you know it's it's been i think like eight years since we took it over um and you know we've really reinvented it we've you know we've I, we're very proud of the work we've done and we've really feel like it's our own now and what's the future i mean i hopefully it remains open <laughs> <laughs> that's what I we need yeah. to say in a yeah, post-pandemic we've launched, we've launched other things outside of the restaurant like their catering business and our and our and our consumer products that you find at the grocery stores and things like that so that's really fun that's been fun um and you know that's really where the business's focus is today and i think it takes a lot also you have to be one of those people and i feel that you are one of those people Alicia, that is um not just an entrepreneur like no, no it's not just in your blood but you're a visionary you're like okay I see how that was and how it was for my parents and how it worked out for them. But now how can we turn around and really make it what it can be? And I feel that you you did it with the restaurant and you've been able to do it with so many other things. And in this case, like super mamas, right? Super mamas. And I mean, you also contributed to, you know, you wrote the book, you uh, helped open, well, you opened up Mama Rabbit in um, Las Vegas. And mm -hmm. even like stepping into, I've been to Galaguetza a handful of times, but every time it's like I stepped into Oaxaca. It's like, I feel like I really just bought a plane ticket, flew my booty over there and like enjoyed it and walked in and I'm like, I'm experiencing Oaxaca. So it's, 
what you've put into it is like you brought a little bit of who you were and brought it to the people that are longing for home, right? And I think that's where the magic has happened. It transitioned from it's just a restaurant, you know, a family owned business to more like it's a total experience. When you walk through our doors, the colors, los aromas, the experience, it's going to be like you just went to Oaxaca with us. So I feel that that really made it so special. Um, and that's how I felt when I went to Mama Rabbit. It's like unexpected place in Vegas. I was pregnant, mm -hmm. but anyway, you know, <laughs> I still enjoyed it. I'm like, the bartender was amazing. He's like, no te preocupes. I will make you drinks that are amazing. I'm like, okay. So, so I had some great ginger beer drinks. I remember like um, having my first daughter and feeling a little bit like, okay, so what now what? And I felt a little lost. And I believe, you know, my husband, Otto, Otto, and um, he's friends with like Yarel and Elena and um, mm -hmm. all of them. So he was like, Hey, my homegirl, my homegirl has, um, has a podcast with her sister and he, he's the one who brought up Super Mamas to me. I was like, what is that? You know, cause I wasn't much of a I podcast listener. listening to the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he was like, you know, I'm like, my, my homegirl does this. I'm gonna let you know, like, you know, all this stuff. I, I don't know if he listened or not, but he's like, you should check it out. Maybe it'd be something que te ayuda. So I want to kind of understand, like for me, podcasting was like not something I listened to. I really wasn't, a, you know, into listening to a lot of podcasts, but I did check yours out and it was very helpful. So how did that come about? You know, how was Super Mamas born? Well, it was a long time ago, girl. I've, we've been around for a long time. Uh, we think launched our first episode July 2015. Uh, so yeah, I can't believe it's going to be like seven years this year. Um, and it just started... I was really into podcast, listening to podcasts. And at that time, I really think like Serial had just come out. And I think that was like the first breakthrough podcast that went on to, you know, quote unquote, whatever that's called pop culture that people like knew about, like the song. Um, and I just like, I, and I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed, but I had a, I had a, like a love for talk radio in general. Like I used to listen to, um, frosty heidi and frank show uh, like when they were when i was i would drive to college uh, and they don't hate me but sometimes i would listen to tom Likas, and not because i agreed with what he said but i would just like hate him and one of those things that you just hate him and you would just listen to it just like to get mad i don't know why i would listen to tom like I, I <laughs> those hate follows was, i know it, those <laughs> yeah like it was on the same radio frequency as frosty Heidi and frank like it was in the morning it was um uh the original you know joan rogan uh what's oh my gosh uh why am i blanking out his name he's like owns xm radio like he got bought off like the original um, like ryan secret howard stern he's legit the daddy yeah. of this yeah OG, yeah the og so, like that's that was I would listen to Howard Stern in the mornings and then Hossie Heidi and Frank like in the 10 a.m. to like you know one like as I would drive from you know from campus to campus you know middle of the day and then Tom Likes was like the three o'clock to like five o'clock so I, I would just listen to that radio frequency and that just what happened to be on so I was just I just really enjoyed listening to people talk <laughs> it's just interesting um and I think I enjoyed that more than I would enjoy let's say maybe music, you know, I think it would just give me, I would think I was learning something, not that I was learning anything from Tom Likas other than like whatever I guess women did. I don't, it's stupid. Um, anyway, so 
based on that, then I found like this American Life on NPR, and then you could listen to it through podcasts. So I was just really listening to a bunch. And then when in March I had Eddie, and it was my first child. Paulina at that time had two kids. And I always say this, and I've said this in the podcast, I was the worst sister when it came to support for a mom. Because I was like young and free and single. And like, I would just, you know, my life revolved around food and alcohol and parties and restaurant openings and just being out and about on the LA social scene that really like going to a my sibling, you know, my niece's birthday party was like not my priority. You know, I had my dog and I thought my dog was my baby and that was it. Um, and then when I had my kid, I was like, oh, I was like crying. Like, I'm so sorry. I was not a better sister. Like, I'm so sorry. And I just felt like this tremendous amount of guilt because my sister is just like the most wonderful human you'll ever meet, like in the world. So then she um, told me she had this idea to do a podcast because she felt like she really wanted to do something in the parenting space. And she always did, but I never really understood why until I had a child. And I was like, oh, I get it. Like, I get why you want to do that now. So then, um, we, you know, we just sort of started. Like, you know, I figured out how to launch a podcast and then we just did. And then that's it. That's how Super Ramas came to be. <laughs> That is super cool. I'm so glad that um, that she was like, hey, remember I told you about this? Now that you're a mom and you yeah. done what that experience is and you were like, yeah, okay, much. maybe let's look into that. Um, yeah. And then, you know, me being me, I was like, okay, great. And like in the weekend, I had everything like the branding and the name and the site and the website and like everything and like a schedule and we're like, okay, we're going to launch this and like, let's do it. And we went to buy the mics and like, let's go. And she was like, oh, okay. Okay. So yeah. we just... Yeah, so we just did. Um, and it's been, and it's really been like an incredible journey. That is really cool. Congratulations. Um, I know that you ladies have put a lot of work into it. You girls have done such a phenomenal job. So congratulations. And thank you for providing a space for us to, like, to be like, yeah, girl, I hear you. You know, motherhood is hard and, and it's not what it, it what we thought it would be. And no one ever talks about mamahood, no matter how Latina, Mexican or whatever you are. It's always just like, no se habla de eso. Like, oh, you know, it te nace, te nace, but no te nace la, la postpartum. Like, you know, no te nace, you know, how to deal with certain issues and how to nurse and all this stuff. So I'm glad that you girls went for it. And, you know, you and Paulina, you know, as Latina pioneers in podcasting, in the podcasting world, like, I'm glad you decided to do it. And what were some of the challenges you did face, though, creating this podcast and like making sure that it continued? If you faced any. I mean, I think the only uh, challenge I would say that we faced was maybe last year. We didn't really put out a lot of content. There was so much stuff happening in our lives. The podcast to us is really just a creative outlet. It was nothing that we ever set out to monetize or anything that we ever saw as a business. It was something that we just saw as a creative outlet for my sister and I to do together and for us to just sit down and talk about our lives and our kids. And it was just like a fun time. And then last year, it just was not so fun. We felt it got to the point where we were so forced and I was dreading like recording. I was like, I have nothing to offer. Like I'm exhausted. I am drained. I am filled with just, I had a lot of just issues at work and my life was just, my sister too. I mean, we 
2021 was, I would say, 10 times more difficult than 2020 for us and our businesses and everything we went through. And, you know, it was really, really hard. So we just felt very drained. And, you know, we didn't really put out content as much as we were used to. And I mean, we used to do events with like thousands of people and we used to put things together and we had, you know, and it was like, it was just a lot of energy put being put out and it was great. Like we received energy from it, but um, after everything happened that happened in, you know, from, you know, 2020 to the end of 2021, we just decided to just like take a break and now we're just back on the mic and it just feels really, really good again. So I think for us, it's, it's we've been doing it for so long that it just felt so, I get very bored of stuff easily too. Like I, I like shiny new things. So like something new looks exciting to me, but I think I've, I've learned to sort of tame that part of me and realize, okay, look, this is what we have. And like, let's find a way to get excited about what we have. So we'll make that the tip of the day because I think it's really important. Maricia said, you know, she can get bored of things, but she's trying to find a way to tame that because, you know, there's merit to consistency and there's merit to, I love that you realize there's value in Supermamas. You needed a break, but that didn't mean that you went away forever. So others may be grappling with taking a break. That's great. Take that break, vocalize it. If you're burned out, if you feel like you don't have anything to offer, if you're going through something hard, it's okay to stop and come back to something. Um, but stopping and starting is a struggle for folks. Stop, start, stop, start. Never seeing something through is then a challenge in your life. So the tip of the day is to tame it if you need to, that distraction, that inconsistency, take a break if you need to, but then get back to those goals, get back to what does bring you joy or success or brings out the gifts in you. Cause I can't imagine you not being in the space and doing what you do, but he says, so I'm glad that you didn't go away completely. Even though she said yeah. it was hard, even though you're commenting, it was tough. I think I'm so, I know I'm so grateful that you're sharing. It was hard. We can look at you from the outside in and we see the little videos. We see the little features. We think about, we drive by the restaurant and we think, oh, they must have it so easy. No, there's hardship. You take a break, you take a step back, but then you come back to being consistent. So tame that part of you that may want to quit or is easily distracted. I think that'll be our tip of the day. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I totally understand that. And, and when it is challenging, it's hard to really make a decision, right? Of like what to do next. So with that, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that was challenging, but at the end, you guys decided to like, okay, let's keep this, let's keep this going. So with that, um, so far, what has been your most memorable episode? And um, in the case of Supermamas events, because I would love to go back to the Supermama social, I finally made it in 2019. And then 2020 happened, right? And we did four years. I don't remember four years. Yeah, four years um, of this huge event that we produced. And it was so much fun. And just seeing so many of the listeners and all the moms and just all the love. It was just an incredible event. Um, we don't foresee any physical events this year because it, I think people, it's, I don't like the unknown. You know, um, so that would probably wait until, you know, a 2023 or even a 2024, you know, we'll see how things go. There's so many other projects that um, I personally have and also my sister has. And then we have as a family that, you know, sometimes it's just about prioritizing um, and just really, yeah, it, it's really difficult for us to prioritize things because there's so many things that we have going on at the same time, just like my dad did. But we... Um, you know, as long as we come into the same 
sort of wavelength. And I think my sister are on a great wavelength together and we understand each other and we're like, okay, not this year. Definitely not. Like you have this, you have that. I have this, I have that. It's not going to work. And again, like even just, we just hired someone to edit. Like my sister would edit everything or I would edit everything. We were just very hands-on and we just hired someone. So well, I think like the giving away the things that just don't bring you joy and like suck energy out of you are one of the things like I'm learning to edit for you know this year next and trying to figure out how to do things that actually bring and not like i like recently like read something it's not like that bring you joy but it's like things that energize you you know things that when you think about that you're gonna do like you get energized about and things that don't suck energy out of you so i'm just kind of still trying to figure out what you know how I can edit the things that I do so then whatever I do just brings me more energy I don't know if that makes any sense makes total it sense makes total sense I'm, I'm, next, I'm over here nodding my head because I feel like everything that you've said resonates and I remember going back to like the the socials I remember Vero talking about it and it was like the, the year that we launched we launched in 2019 and that's the year that she went and she came back super excited and like you know um you know las muchachas and the podcast and check check them out and so that was something that we were, you know, looking forward to doing, you know, go, going together maybe the following year and then having uh, events ourselves because that was, yeah, so that was the year that we launched and we had two launch parties, one in San Francisco and one in L.A. And then, um, and then I was like, I was living in Mexico for six months and then it came back and boom, like the pandemic. So I could see where like we, I relate with that in that you know, there was excitement and like getting to know more women and seeing women physically and helping each other and leaning on each other. And then boom, we get hit with this. Um, but for us, I think what has kept us, I think going and excited is the fact that we, we, when we, you know, like today, when we, when we talk to new people, like, uh, we always, I managed to have guests that have like the similar energy that we do and we get excited about things and, you know, people that we've been following for years like yourself um so that keeps us kind of energized so i see what you're saying like keeping it uh, keeping the energy and showing up so i think that's what m has made us work and still show up despite the crazy world we're living in um i know we started those first first two years having like an annual like um partners retreat we didn't have one last year tampoco it in 2020 we had one at the beginning of the year right before the pandemic hit but um anyway all, all this to say that we 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 totally relate with what you're saying and how this crazy pandemic has hit us and i just hope that you know going forward things things change but it's hard to plan when we don't know you know what's what's to come um with all this but anyway um Vero nos estaba contando and she mentioned it a little earlier um about your your bar in las vegas uh, mama rabbit um mm -hmm. she was pregnant right when she visited pero dice que le oh, encantó y que you know su esposo like dijo que el mezcal estuvo riquísimo uh so tell us about that and how you decided to expand i think your you know your restaurant and bar uh, entrepreneurship how did how did you decide to open this bar in sin city yeah so vegas was a completely different project something that i would never done before and it was something that was really put in front of me as an opportunity and i had to make a decision if i wanted to be involved or not you know the mezcal world is very complex and very big 
Um, I have been an advocate of mezcal since I can remember. I mean, we've been in the space since before I was born. So when this opportunity came, um, I was approached by the team, um, the, the Park MGM team. And they said they wanted to bring me into the project as um, as a you know consulting partner and cultural really ambassador, um, and you know I kind of had like a should I should I not I mean it's like crazy but I think in my mind like Vegas was always a tipping point for mezcal I've and I've said it since a, like years ago I've always sort of called it like the moment that Vegas embraces mezcal is a day where. Like it's all going to tip over and the years after are going to become a shit show because there's going to be so much just you talk about culture appropriation. There's going to be talk about, um, you know, just the 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 preservation of the actual plant, like what happens to the people, to traditions, to the beginning of celebrity owned brands. I mean, there's like it's going to be what pulls it over. Right. Um, and. I could be part of it and sort of try to steer it a certain way or back out of it and like see it sort of take the wrong turn because I knew if I wasn't involved, like how horrible it was going to be. And then people were going to look at that place as the place to like, as a reference, you know? So I decided to be part of it and it was so much fun. I mean, I remember going to Vegas as, you know, if you're like Latinos in LA, you're immigrants, like, that was like the place to go, you know, like I couldn't travel. I was undocumented. So if I wanted to go to Paris, I just went to the Paris hotel in Vegas. Like, and you couldn't, I couldn't fly. So we would just drive there. You know, you wanted to. And back then there was that hotel Aladdin, the Aladdin hotel was open. So you wanted to go to the Middle East. There you go. Go to the Aladdin hotel. You go to the pyramids. There you go. Go to the Luxor. Like you want to go to, you know, Italy, um, you go, you want to go to Venice and ride your gondola? Go ahead. Like, <laughs> go to the fake, uh, you, know, the, yeah. you want to go to Australia? Yeah. Go to the Thunder Down Under, baby. There you go. Yeah. So Vegas to like, for, it meant so much to my family and I, and I remember when we were young, like, or, you know, that okay. You know, that, that scene in this, in, um, Selena, when the dad tells like, you know, one day you guys are going to play Disneyland. Yes. Seriously, daddy, do you think we really make it there? Yes, of course. Mira, like that scene, like that's what I felt when like the Vegas thing came through because my dad, Aww. when we were young, he would be like, one day we're going to go to a restaurant. He'd be like, really, daddy? In Vegas? I'm like, yes, you know? So when we opened and my parents were there and like the opening and oh my gosh, and they treated them like kings and queens and they were in like a really great room and then we had dinner and then Jose Andres invited us to his restaurant. It was just like, oh my gosh, like free-flowing everything. Like they went to a concert, they went to see Luis Miguel. Like it was like, you know, I, I felt more proud for them in that moment than for oh, myself. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so when 2020 happened, um, there was a change in management. I'm no longer involved in the bar, sadly, but I have so much love for that place. Um, and I think they still have me as a creator on their Instagram. Bio, que bueno. So. Que bueno. <laughs> que bueno, porque como dices tú, um, you know, you, you had to make the decision. Do I become involved or watch others, you know, t create this and make this? Um, and so que bueno that they're giving you that respect and also um, 
that they're acknowledging that you were part of like the beginning. Um, and I say that because a mí me da coraje, like, a mí me da coraje when I see celebrities do opening, you know, having their own tequila and they're not, you know, they're not Mexican at all. Y, y con, ahora con mezcal también, a mí me da coraje. It's just like, and I see it on Instagram and it's just like, I know, it's just, you know, like you said, appropriation. You should clarify to Lisa that you guys are tequila lovers. Like you and your husband, oh, yeah. les encanta el tequila, tienen sus botellas, sí. todas, like, les encanta. So when she gets mad. <laughs> no, your yeah. husband is like a tequila expert. Yeah, mi, mi marido es de Los Altos de Jalisco, um, de Totonilco. So, um, you know, we've gone to um, La Casa Siete Leguas, we el tour, y, you know. So we, the, the, the Siete Leguas para arriba, but we have gone into Mezcal lately. Um, and one of his friends is um, a chemist by training here, but he also opened out his, um, su, su propio Mezcal. It's called um, Nacional. But anyway, we have gotten um, more into tequila la, in los, I mean, sorry, more into Mezcal in the last uh, couple of years where we've uh, found um, mezcal, mezcal que si nos gusta and it's because sometimes I'm like for, for me sometimes the, the smokiness I just I just can't do but uh, yeah, it's, it's a completely different flavor profile than uh, tequila although tequila. there's so yeah that there are beginning to embrace their original way of production which is closer to the mezcal and it's really interesting to see tequila being made the way it was made before it was you know tequila yeah yeah so thank you for thank you for being part of that and i can't wait to i don't know one day hopefully when things get better go um check it out in, in vegas because i myself haven't been to las vegas probably in like nine ten years it's been vamonos a oaxaca vamonos con brisa a oaxaca ah, no. pues Allá sí, like my dad was you know like so paranoid i couldn't even drive to san diego he was so scared of the sentimental border so but we could drive to vegas so that was like our place to go yeah yeah no i relate i had family también que no podía viajar y cuando íbamos de vacaciones it was las vegas but i remember not liking it as a minor because I'm like, ¿Qué puedo hacer? like I can't do anything or like just this cusp. Like I was probably between 18 and like, you know, 21. And I just like, at that point I'm like, okay, I was too old for the arcades and I was too young to Girl, go to bars, you know, because I was 16. So <laughs> <laughs> I was living it up in Vegas. I was 16. I'm telling you, I lived a crazy life. <laughs> no, I tell us more about that. Tell us a little more about that. <laughs> She's like, this is the chapter, Mi Vida Loca. Different podcast, a different, a different level up. But yeah, I mean, there, you there you go. There you go. I think um, so. Um, I, I, we don't want to let you go. We've kind of come to the, the end and the time for us to ask like our final question of our guest that we love to ask. Yeah. And the uh, question that we always ask every guest we have is, what advice or words of wisdom would you share with your 25-year-old self? What would it be, Brisa? Uh, you know, I think more than anything, like I was, I was watching the show. Have you guys watched the show, The Secret Sex Life of College Girls or The Sex Life of College Girls? I think it's an HBO. I haven't seen um, it, but I've seen, I've seen the it's trailer. 
like it's such a great show like it's, it's such a fucking great show <laughs> and i was watching it and i was like god damn it what i would like give to like go back as me today to college like i would fucking kill it like knowing everything i know right like and then i was like what like i what would i tell myself not that i would be doing what those girls are doing that's that's not what i mean i'm just saying like I didn't have that experience. No judgment here. No judgment here. Where'd you go to college? No, Where'd you go to no, college? No, I went to Mount St. Mary's, but I was always like working. So I didn't really have that. You know, I didn't live on campus. Like it wasn't um, like what, you know, quote unquote, like what that show is. Right. And I think like if I was to go back, I would just tell my younger self to just not be afraid of anything and to try everything and above else, like trust on herself. Like, I think I lacked a lot of self-love. And, you know, when I was 25 or, you know, I think you said 25 and I went back to college. But I think oh, even at yeah. 25, I lacked a lot of self-confidence. I lacked a lot of self-love. And I was very, and I had a lot of fear of failure. Um, and I like, you know, and I think that that really uh, put me in situations that I shouldn't have been in. Um, so... I think like just really learn to love yourself is one of those things that's probably the hardest thing I think as a female to do in your life. And I think even women who are in their 50s haven't really even arrived there. So I, I think like just learn to love yourself at a younger age. I think is one of the most important things. That's beautiful. This that's is going to be there on Valentine's week. And that I was beautiful. I was gonna say that I was gonna say that I was like yeah that's perfect you know self-love we this month we're big on on self-love in fact you know tomorrow during our guilt-free squad session we're gonna be talking about self-love and I think that you nailed it like that's the perfect tip to give you know your 25 year old self because we're still you know yes somos mujeres pero no somos like maduras and we're not like teenagers and it's like we're still um trying to navigate and, and learn and, and 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 get into our careers and we you know, sometimes feel uncomfortable. And so, you know, what better tip than going back and saying, Hey, you know what? Um, it's going to be okay, but love yourself first, first, most and, um, and foremost. When you say love yourself, it's really difficult for someone who doesn't love themselves to hear and be like, okay, mm -hmm. how do you just love yourself? Like I love myself. Right. Yeah. But I think like to have self comp like to believe in yourself and to have self confidence, it's very difficult especially for Latinas because we've been grow we've grown up like not like, basically conditioned to not like who we are yeah. as people. So I think like self-love is very different than like, it's very different than like, okay, I'm going to like self-care. I'm going to go get my nails. Like it's very different than like self-care. I think yeah, learn to just really love who you are as a person, like as a human with all your flaws, with all your ugly, without your, with everything. Like, I think I wish I would have like not had so much like, I, I wish I would have liked me more. What you're focusing on is like, you said as Latinas and how we grow up. And yeah, all of us have stories about growing up and feeling like we weren't the good girl that our parents wanted to be. We were compared to the neighbor or we needed to be quiet or we were too loud or we weren't good enough. Like there's all these sort of this mental game that happens and we're thinking that we need to be different or different or different. Or sometimes we're thinking we need to fit in. Porque ni de aquí, ni de allá. Like, where do you fit in? Do you need to be quieter in this space? Are you intimidated by this space? Do you need to be louder in this space? So there's a lot of confusion, I think, in those those very pivotal years in your 20s. And I, what I hear you saying is get in touch with who you are. And, and lead with who you are, be who you are, be who you are, even if you're feeling like yeah, not confident. Very, 
<laughs> and I think with Risa's experience, like she shared with us a little bit, just like a snippet of, you know, where she went to school and things you were around. It's like it for so many times, like we wonder, like we suffer with like imposter syndrome or we suffer with like, am I enough? And we suffer with all these things and we don't have that confidence and we don't have that belief because we're constantly being told that, no, what you are is wrong or what you are is not what the standard is or so all of that and combined with expectations, like, you know, it's not just your parents, it's your tias, your tios, and, you know, the, the, the tias, tios, tios, like everyone is, has like an opinion. So I feel that as we grow older, um, we also need to give ourselves some credit for what we've been able to do. And I, many times I talk about, you know, being modest and humble and all this stuff, but part of being able to give yourself credit is like, Put that aside and know that what you've been able to bring into this world is good enough. And you are an, um, you know, you are an amazing being with all the uglies and everything else within and in, in, in between. Mm -hmm. So I think we all have a hard time. I'm having a hard time, you know, like recognizing who I am now that I'm turning 40. Well, I turn, I'm turning, I turned 40 and it's like, well, who am I now? Because there's just, there's just a mix of everything, but I'm like, okay, I'm not that person anymore, but it doesn't mean that I can't acknowledge what I was, what I accomplished, but that person back then helped me become who I am now, but who am I now? And, and even in that, that confusion causes a little bit of like that disbelief and the confidence kind of dips a little. My sister and I had a whole podcast about because she turned 40. Oh. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, she's like, it changed. it's different. I'm like, oh. it is. She's older than you. Your sister's older than you. Yeah. I remember I'm older, but she's well, yeah, just like you didn't get it when she had kids. You didn't yeah. get it because you yeah. haven't turned 40. But yeah. you turned 40. Watch when you turn 40. And it was like, <laughs> like basically the whole, like the whole like trajectory of the podcast is me making fun of my sister. And then me going to the same <laughs> shit over and like biting my tongue. <laughs> It's like the, like the story of our I life. I told you so, Brisa. Yeah. Te lo dije. Wait. Yeah. We're, we're going to have to invite you back when, the, when you turn 40 para, para platicar de eso. Sister. Thanks for having me. Yeah. No, thank you, Brisa. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your amazing journey. Um, yo, yo, una vez sol I'm from Northern California, but um, one time I visited the girls and they took me to your family's restaurant and I remember it was a, uh, an amazing experience. Tengo ganas de ir otra vez a ver si nos toca um, ahora que estemos por allá. But uh, thank you again for sharing your journey, for um, for just being you and just um, you know showing up and being one of the you know first you and your sister pioneers of um, Latina podcasters. We really, really you know respect that and are thankful for both of you. So. Before we log off, um, let us know how can people find you? How, um, you know, how can they find your your podcast and all that good stuff? Tell tell us how to yeah. find you. I mean, we're just uh, supermamas.com is where we have all our everything. You can follow us on Instagram. Um, our handle is just starts with underscore supermamas. Um, and then just everything else, or you can just go to just my Instagram, Bricia Lopez. And that's basically my bio has all my other handles. So at Bricia Lopez. Thank you so much, Bricia. Fue un honor conocerte y platicar contigo el día de ahora. To our listeners, if you enjoyed the conversation or, um, you know, want to continue the conversation or have suggestions for guests, you know how to find us. Our Instagram and Facebook handle is at Level of Latina. Our Twitter handle is at Latina underscore up. Or if you just want to shoot us an email and um, continue this conversation, our email is admin at Latina.com. 
again, muchas, muchas gracias for being here, Bricia, and thank you, chicas, for being here gracias. and for joining today. Uh, Disfrutar un mezcalito now or something. Sí. Se me antojó, chicas. Salucita. Gracias. Bye. Chao.